We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. Did you make car noises when you started reading this? And I was like, <laughs> oh, there's no race. And I was like kind of disappointed that <laughs> I got all jazzed up. Did you know that this is based on like a real event? Like one of my first footnotes, I don't, I think you said you didn't have any footnotes in yours. Mine has this little comment. It says, Joyce's readers would readily have recognized that the motor race described in the story was a widely reported annual Gordon Bennett automobile race. It was held in Ireland on the 2nd of July, 1903, when the story is set. No, I didn't know that. I didn't know the historical significance of this. And I thought that racing wasn't created till much later, um, primarily in America, when they started trying to outrun the law during bootlegging times. So I, I thought this was completely fiction. I didn't realize it was based on truth. Well, you bring up a really good point about the historical part, because, you know, there's those lines in there where they're, they're naming streets like Nab Street and this street. And they talk about how now and again, the clumps of people raise that cheer of the gratefully oppressed. And they talk about the poverty of the areas. Racing at this time was in the purview of the wealthy. There, there's clearly a class discussion of the wealthy going through the poor parts of town, if you will. Oh, that definitely, I think, is the primary focus of the story. That, that's the main thing I took away was the class divide. And even if you are of the wealthy, it still doesn't matter because there's so much more to wealth than literally just having a lot of money. It's how did you earn that money? How did you come by that money? And that is really important to that idea of old world money versus new money. And that's just incredible that I don't I don't know that even within the ranks of wealthy people, they still subclass divide themselves. And it's like, man, you just can't catch a break, even if you're rich. <laughs> so essentially the plot of this, right? We're at we're at this continental race. We're in a car. And we have four gentlemen as our vessels for this story. Uh, pronunciations, problems incoming. <laughs> We've Very got, much. I looked it up, allegedly Sigwa. And whether I'm saying that correctly or not is another thing. And the Vivier, right? These are the two that were higher up, right? Particular Sigwa, who comes from like owning multiple hotels. It's his car. So obviously he's, to your earlier point about the times, cars not being readily available as they are today or as available. Uh, he's he's on the cusp. He's on, he's on the tip of the spear, as they say, of people kind of forging ahead. You got Valona, the Hungarian, who he had a great lunch, right? He's doing good. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Valona. I love Dubliners for this reason, man. It's just so funny sometimes. And then our our fourth vessel is Jimmy Doyle, right? The only Irishman, but but the thing is, I think these characters are the vessels of wealth in this story. And is it just is it just the wealthy in themselves, or is it also commentary on the wealth of nations, even right in terms of the French, in terms of the Hungarian, or in terms of the local Irish? You know, there's clearly a part here where we learn about Jimmy's past with his father being a wealthy butcher. How did you reconcile that with a lot of the other things that are going on in the story? Well, it comes back to the fact that he had to work for his money 
And I feel like the other three, uh, especially Seguan, it it feels like it's more handed to him, where Jimmy might have had to work in those butcher shops and earn, help his father earn and become this higher class individual. And so he feels like a, a little bit more grounded in reality and that this is working class versus inherited wealth, so to speak, as well. Yeah, yeah, multi-generational wealth stories. Do you think they're, and let's also pause here too, because you have Jimmy representing adolescent, right? This is in the adolescent section where these are people who are, they're they're literally getting their face slammed into society, right? They're, they're now learning this world where they don't understand the rules of the world. Sometimes they don't understand why people behave certain ways because sometimes, you know, they've been segregated, sequestered off to certain classes at school, to their family at home. They don't have a a ton of worldly experience. Jimmy's getting thrown into the deep end here with these really rich individuals from different countries with possibly different value systems, different yachts, that's for sure. (laughs) He's the (laughs) adolescent that is learning how this world's working. And in his world before, okay, if Jimmy is possibly representing all of Ireland, he was rich for an Irishman, right? And he understood what his money could, couldn't buy for Ireland. But throughout this whole story, this, this tapestry is woven by by Joyce, in my view, and my reading of it, that he's rooting still for the other countries almost. Like at the race, they weren't voting for the Irish. They are rooting for like the French and, and like a German some other combination. And at the end with like the gambling, he, he wasn't trying to win, but he was playing. It's almost like the Irish were rich for Irishmen, but not when compared against other nations is, is one way to interpret it. Oh, I love you that you brought that up of Jimmy representing all of Ireland, because I think that besides for me, the big takeaway is the the class division and subclass division within wealth and the disparity of different wealth is this idea that Ireland is not independent yet. And so there is no Irish car for them to root for. They have to root for someone else. And in real life, that's how it would have been. And then you have this idea of, well, if you're Irish, you're not good enough because you aren't really like your own man, your own self, your own country. You're always going to be subservient to these other nations. And I, I think that Jimmy is trying to find his place in not only a society, a world where Ireland isn't having its own identity, but inside that class divide as well. And he doesn't know what it's like to grow up to maybe how to tie a bow tie or which fork to use at dinner. So there's all these like things, like you said, that are bombarding him that he's trying to navigate as a very, very young, probably ignorant young man in this world that he's not accustomed to. Yeah. Well, it's like kind of like we're learning with Jimmy, right? Because they talked about how his father was an advanced nationalist. So he was pushing for home rule, pushing for Irish independence, baby steps along the way with, you know, the English. Anytime English come in those stories, you know that they're the oppressors, right? Yet, yet the dad still supported the police force, which are under English rule. The dad sent Jimmy to English education, right? So you start to see how he, in order for him to get ahead, he's still got to use those foreign resources, those foreign money, because his Irish resources even might have a ceiling on it in the same way that maybe Irish wealth has a ceiling on it in the context of the story. Did you also think that maybe Joyce is saying here that even though we tried so hard, we are almost taking two steps forward, three steps back and shooting ourselves in the foot in the whole process because 
even though we're trying to better Ireland, we can't because we have to use those uh, foreign resources. And Jimmy's dad could be almost looked at as a traitor, right? He's betraying his own people to better himself and his own family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What is magical about what you just said is the way that you use the small of a person to talk about the big of the country, right? And you use the big of the country to talk about individual choices. And you see this, this magical way of Joyce kind of playing with it throughout here. And it's exactly like you said, the individual choices these make, and like that's representative of the whole country, the decisions that they're making there. You'll notice that when it, it's time to play, you know, the, with the bigger boys here, and it's time to go out to dinner, you'll notice that the two poor guys, Valona, who had a great lunch, <laughs> and Jimmy, they get dropped off at the ho- at, back at the Jimmy's house, right? Like, like, they don't even go to the fancy hotel to change. They can't afford that. They're doing the sleepover party. Well, the real true wealth of the French Canadians, kind of, they're going to the hotel and that's where they also meet up with the Englishman again, right? So so now they're coming back into the big party to play with the bigger boys. So again, using the small individuals to talk about how they're trying to step up on the world stage, right? Like how Irish are now trying to take on independence and trying to take on their own world. And what happens during this dinner, right? We have nothing but conflict in terms of how yep. uh, the Irish and the English disagreed, right? You have how they sequestered themselves away into the fancy room with the electric lights as opposed to the candle lights. Like, oh, that's fancy for early 1900 well, right? Yeah. Right, it's not just fancy, it's showing more wealth. Only a wealthier mm-hmm. person would be able to afford those luxuries when electricity is so new in the world. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is they have like that, remember that like that fancy machine and, and one of them was at Vivier or something like that had to like explain it to Jimmy. Like, oh, let me, let, let, I got the sense of him talking down. Like, let me explain to you the machinations of, of how this works. I'm, I'm sure you guys don't understand this or don't have this yet. Like uh, you can see how him stepping up into the world stage, uh, there's a divide between them in terms of, of what it's going to take to get there and where they currently are. I, the whole time I was reading this, I just felt so bad for Jimmy. And I, I could picture myself in his shoes as a young man that I didn't know much. And I remember putting on my uh, first suit jacket, going to like a fancy ordeal or something. And one of my college roommates looking at me and going, why do you have all your, your suit buttons done up? And all of them locked. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. And he's like, no, that's not how you wear it. And there's a certain way that you're expected to behave of how you're to dress of what those expectations are when you're in this certain class or how people are to view you. And it just feels like Jimmy just doesn't have a shot or a chance. And he's trying. Uh, he just He's failing miserably over and over again. But he's okay with that. And I, you know, I, I applaud him for it. I think he's motivated by some of it. There's two quotes in here that I thought were really illuminating. One was, rapid motion through space elates one. So does notoriety. And so does the possession of money. And to me, these are kind of like the sirens for Jimmy, right? That notoriety when he's going around and being introduced to all of the foreign people or at the race, like he, he feels special. He feels like someone and he feels uh, the wealth of his father in a sense. And, and, and maybe he had to work for it for your point. But but then he sees, you know, the Americans yacht. He gets to see how they get the French Canadians get to stay at the expensive hotel. It's this draw that he has of 
of of of elevating his status that I think drives him at an individual level. Definitely. I just feel bad for him, but I definitely see how he would be lured in by this and think, all right, well, we've come this far. Maybe we can get to the next step. And he sees all of those, um, you know, carrots being dangled in front of him. And he, he likes it. He likes what he sees. I mean, this is a good lifestyle. Why wouldn't somebody want that? But then mm-hmm. I feel like he feels a little bit guilty about it sometimes, especially at the end when he just keeps losing, when he knows that he has lost because mm-hmm. he he realizes that his father is kind of betraying his own heritage and culture as an expense of money. And I think Jimmy is questioning, is it worth it? I think there's some hints along the way that that's true, right? Like when they, they're walking down uh, Stevens Green, right? They start singing this particular song. I'm going to butcher the name of it. Sorry, Cadet <laughs> Roussel, if you didn't know, is a song from the French Revolutionary Era, right? When we're talking about independence from the monarchies, independence of France and putting power back to the people's hands. And doesn't that perfectly kind of align here with the exact um, age of advertising that the Irish are going through of, we should also have some more independence. We should also fight for the freedoms of our people. And they're sitting there singing that song as they move along. And where was America at this point in time? Where was France at this point in time? They had already achieved those as they're meeting up with these people and heading towards the American yacht and the wealth that they've achieved and stuff like that. And I think it's something that uh, motivates Jimmy because he feels limitations, right? And And that's another quote that I thought was really important here. That night, the city were the mask of a capital. And I think that speaks to what you were talking about earlier of it's not a real capital yet, right? They're still owned by the English at this point in time. It's a fake capital. It's a capital mask for England. Right. And I think that Jimmy is looking at this as these are ideals that maybe he can live up to or that he can um, subscribe to of you have the American representing independence and wealth. You have the Frenchman and, you know, entertaining these ideas of, you know, prosperity as well. And he he sees that maybe this this can help come about for me as well. So as you're saying, we get to the final part where we're heading to the Americans yacht area and, and we decide to play this game. And does Jimmy even for a second, think he's going to win this game? No, no. Does does Jimmy vote for the car, the Irish car? Nope, no. Nope. He knows he knows they ain't going to have one or win one, right? Right. I did find it interesting. And what did you think of that? Of all of what they could have been playing, they played cards, and I don't think they ever specified which card games they were playing. But cards is a game of chance. I mean, mm-hmm. who you are born as your parents. Uh, mm-hmm. where you're born, all those can determine whether you're going to be born poor or rich. And that is going to set you up for success or possible failure or possible success in life. And also there is skill involved as well. And that kind of comes back to Jimmy's father, uh, you know, having a little bit of luck of having the right job, but also having the skill or the wherewithal to work hard. I thought it was very interesting that Joyce picked card games of all the things that they could have played at a party. I, I don't play cards when I go to a party, uh, you play maybe party games, but unless you're going to a poker party or play blackjack at a you know friend's house, something very specific, I wonder why he chose that. Finally, I get one of these moments. You always get to explain to me like, oh, that's because you're a northerner. You don't understand how things work here in the South. Finally, this is a Midwest <laughs> thing, friend. Game card games ain't nothing new to us. All right. We we rock those at these games. So while it wasn't a surprise, I also thought it was interesting that that Jimmy didn't even try 
to your point. Even if there is no skill on Jimmy's side, to your point, there's still a chance. Like, like yeah, skill luck. is a part of it. And he didn't even try, right? He's just going to give his money away to these other countries, to these other people. Because what is this? Is this the paralysis? Is, is this Joyce's commentary on, you know, Dubliners are afraid to make choices, afraid to the commit, do, afraid do nothing to Dubliners, right? Yeah, the do nothing Dubliners. I like that. Let's coin that one. <laughs> <laughs> but also another theme that comes up a lot with Dubliners is, of course, the idea of the epiphany. What do you think the epiphany is here for perhaps the reader? Perhaps, I don't know if Jimmy had one. Like, how do you interpret it for this story? I felt like this was more growth and that there is prospect on the horizon. And I think that it leads us into the, it, it didn't feel as, I love the story, don't get me wrong, but it didn't feel mm -hmm. as definitive as several others in here that there was this big point or this big aha moment, you know, light bulb in the sky happening. It did feel more like a transition, um, you know, that this is a, a story that is just moving us along into the next piece of life. And that's okay, because sometimes every day doesn't have to be your birthday. Every day doesn't have to be Christmas. Every day isn't special. Some days you just get up, you go to work, you do your thing, and you go to bed, and then you wake up and do it again. And that kind of felt like what this story was in the venue of rich people, <laughs> not you and I. Yeah, no, I can see that. I can see that. It was definitely not as strong as an epiphany, but to me, uh, since I read this at such an ideological level, which, you know, rejoice the, the level that, that you want, for me, this was such a powerful allegory for the world movements and where wealth and power was in nations. Agreed. That this is uh, almost a, uh, I hate using the word cautionary tale because almost everything's a cautionary tale, but this is almost like, hey, Dublin, do you feel like you're not worthy or ready to play the power and politics game at the same level as the rest of the world? Are we too afraid to take the chance, such as with a card game, to step up and to make these changes? Uh, there's something to be said about Ireland rethinking and reimagining what is in their control and what isn't in their control. And, and that's what Jimmy's problem is, is that he thinks he doesn't belong there. He thinks he doesn't deserve as much, even though he wants it and he longs for it. He'll go to these events just to give away his power, to give away his money uh, with no chance at winning. He just wants a seat at the table, uh, you know, at the, they're sitting down to play cards. And maybe this isn't a cautionary tale, but maybe I guess I took it more as a prophetic tale that this mm -hmm. is you know, inspiration that come on Ireland, we can pull ourselves up and we can move forward and, and we can have a seat at the table and we don't have to just, you know, give away just to be at the table. We can win too. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's our readings of it. You guys are going to have to let us know in the comments down below what your <laughs> thoughts are. I'm just more impressed that crypto for once you're on the more optimistic side. Like I am, I can't believe it finally happened. <laughs> no, this is a great story. Uh, I mean, I just, I feel the book coming together uh, and there's both joy and sadness in that of it's starting to make more sense. Uh, I'm getting better at reading Joyce. And I think that having more of that historical knowledge is so imperative for me personally to enjoy this book more as I see the dots being connected. And it also a little bit of sadness because we're coming to a closure of this, you know, we'll finish here in, um, you know, a few months. And that just kind of breaks my heart because it has been such a wild ride uh, through the, this journey of, you know, Dublin, Ireland in, you know, the early 20th century. Much appreciated. Let us know what your thoughts are in the comments playlist down below to continue as we head story by story through 
Dubliners. Appreciate you spending some time with us. My name is Benuna. Peace. Peace.